Welcome back to Good Friends and a Glass of Wine. It's the second episode of the season, the South African episode. It's a delight to have you listening along with us. As always, check out our Good Friends and a Glass of Wine Instagram community to keep up to date with us and our website for any resource listings that are mentioned. For this episode, we turn towards a new world region as we explore South African wines. South Africa has been producing wine for a very long time. It's one of the oldest wine producing regions outside of Europe. In fact, in the late 1600s, South Africa was the first new world region to make fine wine. However, South African wine production was badly affected by insects that destroyed vineyards in the 20th century. And for a long time, this nation's wine was used in cheap brandy production. Thankfully, more recently, it has returned to being recognised as a quality wine producer. South Africa is known especially for Pinotage, which is South Africa's signature grape variety. It's a cross between Pinot Noir and Cinso, a grape that originated in the Rhone Valley. This red wine, along with Cabernet Sauvignon and Shiraz, dominates a lot of red wine production on the white end of the scale. Chenin Blanc is very dominant and is followed by Sauvignon Blanc, Colombard and Chardonnay as popular varieties. Interestingly, vineyards are called wine farms in South Africa. There are around a thousand wine farms in the region and South African wine is almost completely made using sustainable practices. Most South African wines are labelled by variety. South Africa's best wines tend to be blended, showing a real mastery that is associated with regions like Australia and California. Let's get tasting. Before we move on to our tasting, I am thrilled to bring back not only our good buddy Stephen, but also a special guest who was featured on a previous show coming all the way from Australia. Our friend Jackie is returning. Welcome to you both. Hello. Good to be back. Howdy, howdy. Happy time zone. So Jackie has a very special connection to South African wines in that she was born and raised in South Africa and she lived there until she was a teenager. So Jackie, tell us a little bit about your connection with South Africa. It's the homeland. It is where I was born. Um, and I lived there until I was 12 in yep. both um, Johannesburg and Cape Town, where all the amazing vineyards are. But obviously, at that age, tender young age, I didn't really appreciate wine at all. In fact, I didn't <laughs> even drink it. Yeah. Um, so it's actually interesting because even though when we did move to Ireland, my dad was importing South African wine to Ireland. I also didn't really appreciate wine back then. So I actually don't have that much knowledge of South African wine as an adult, as, yeah. as a wine drinker. Um, so yeah, I'm yeah. actually really looking forward to this one. Oh, super. And have you tried much wine since then from South Africa or not a huge part of experience with it? No, because now that I'm in Australia, mainly it's Australian wine. So mm. like Shiraz is my favorite and that's what I drink. It's actually... I haven't had that much good South African wine in Australia. I've tried yeah. it a few times. Yeah, I haven't found a really good one yet. So I just tend to go for Aussie blends normally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how about you, Stephen? Have you any South African wine drinking experience? I have some South African experience, none of it wine related. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know a huge pile about South Africa and its wine. <laughs> To be honest, you know, this is actually such a treat, I have to say. It's a whole new region, really, for me. Like, I think I've only had, you know, maybe one or two wines that I can think of over the years. So it's just fantastic to be trying it with you both.
On this show, we're tasting Good Hope Pinotage, which, as we mentioned earlier, is a significant player in South Africa's wine production. Let's get tasting. It's got a lovely kind of ruby colour, doesn't it? Mm. Really nice smell. Really nice scent on that. Really like it. So I did hear that apparently a lot of these Pinotages have a burning rubber smell. Oh, really? Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, apparently. I'm getting quite, quite leathery. It's. It seems like on my very first... Like even tobacco, that kind of like mm. deep... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Smoky. Yeah, I could get that. It's. I was just going to say it seems very full, very kind of bold, you know, like the, mm. the scent and the taste. I'm like, it's like a very full, bold kind of red wine, you know, very robust. That's one of the words I'm looking at here that you would associate with like strength. And that's kind of what I'm getting off this. This is like a really strong red wine. It's true. It's a very, that first sip is just really, there's just so many different, mm. it is like full body. Yeah, absolutely. Have either of you had a Pinotage previously? No. No, I haven't either. Not that I can remember. Yeah. Funnily enough, I thought because because the Pinotage is a is a blend of Pinot Noir and Pinot Noir is quite lighter, lighter red. Like a, yeah. So I kind of thought that it was going to be similar, but it's a yeah. lot, yeah, it's a lot richer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's. I think when you look at red wines and where it sits on the scale, it's kind of a, a meaty red wine. Yeah, it's it's like it's a very strong flavored one. So it's meant to be again. It's meant to be really good with like strong meats. You know, like I suppose your 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 stronger end of the scale yeah. for having your meats. You know, your red meats basically. And I could see that from this. It's really it's a very. Nice. It's a very complex breakfast wine. We have to. Yes, say. it is a very complex <laughs> breakfast wine. Seeing as we're recording at quite an early hour here <laughs> um i'm i'm enjoying this a lot more than i thought i would mm-hmm. i just i didn't really know what to expect but i it's i really like this yeah first impressions for me are are definitely good like it's it's kind of what i was anticipating something very strong flavored you know but the only thing i will say is and as steven just mentioned I still have the taste of toothpaste in my mouth because it's <laughs> morning here and I don't think that the toothpaste is helping the taste of the wine. <laughs> There's a chemical reaction going on and it's not good. Yeah, I need to kind of get I need to get an old palate cleanser going here. So just more wine is what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, for, I mean, it... from someone who's drinking it at a more reasonable time in the evening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do think that it's... And the other thing is I feel like when you when you actually swallow it it actually it's really smooth it's Mm. not like acidic that you sometimes get from this kind of wine yeah 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 the tannins aren't too bad on this and I'm not a I'm not a fan of the tannins Mm. being strong they're still milder you know on my one anyway I don't know about you guys no I'd agree yeah it's very smooth there's no kickback but a lot of flavor I'm just really trying to discern what those flavors are you know I'm not picking up really strong yet you know I I think it's more of um if you've ever had smoked paprika, mm. it's it's there's it's v- like there's not a lot of sweetness in it, mm. but there is a lot of smoke and a little a lot of yeah. um oh what's the candles that they always sell Sal- sandalwood, you know the the candles that they always marketed, what do you call it? Sandalwood. Sandalwood. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. Are you getting a slight hint of vanilla? No, I could be completely wrong on this. I feel like I'm getting a tiny little bit of vanilla somewhere in there. Could be the toothpaste. I don't know. I was just going to say, what is your accompanying toothpaste of choice for this wine? <laughs> Whatever is the best offer in my local <laughs> <Yeah>. supermarket. 
<laughs> I'm actually getting like a kind of sort of like I'm thinking like dry like prunes almost. Yeah, I could see that as well. Mm. I just think as an accompaniment, I'm actually going to barbecue later today, and I think this would be amazing with like ribs. Do you know, like a really flavorful. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Ribs. That would be like the perfect accompaniment to that. I was in the Big Duns yesterday and uh, they had venison and I think I might go back and get some. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's actually a really good shout. Really strong meats, lots of flavour. This is going to mm. be, literally you're going to drink this and be like, oh my God, it's divine. Like, uh, But actually, to be fair, just having a little sip here now, still very nice. And, and this is the common theme we, ha we have. Old World is definitely a meal associate, yeah. whereas the New World is very much a on its own standalone you could absolutely yeah. destroy this on a on an evening like you could now i'm going to be honest with you i'd probably still want nibbles if i was having more than a glass of this you know mm. um but i could i could definitely have a couple of these glasses over the course of an evening um no bothers but yeah it's oh it's lovely really it's very very complex it's very interesting very different like i think there is kind of similarities with melbeck um, I've had a couple of Malbecs that are mm. quite full-bodied and like, again, they'd really accompany like a meaty based dish, you know, you're straight away. You're like, this is going to be amazing with ribs or whatever. Yeah. And this kind of has that sense for me, but it's very, yeah, I really, I'm really struggling to actually get what the flavors are. That the, I, I assume, yeah, I assume this would be the type of wine that they'd have on the sommelier tests. <laughs> Do you think so? Like it's very subtle. It's it because it's not. Yeah. We've had um, and I can't remember exactly which ones. Mm. Um, maybe it was the Merlot, but I remember we had one red where it's just like this. This just tastes like wine. Yeah. Any of the flavors way too subtle. Whereas yeah. the subtlety in this is like I know it's there. I just mm -hmm. can't quite put my finger on it. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we all have the 2021 as well? Oh, interestingly, so. I've just picked up the bottle to see what they have listed, you know, for flavours and so on. They actually don't have anything like that on it. I have a 2018, which I did not realise. Oh, <laughs> and I have a 2016. You have a 2016. Oh so we're all across the board here because it was a 2021 that I ordered. <laughs> so I obviously got, um, I wonder what this year did. That's very interesting. Now. The other thing that's quite interesting is that I, I was under the impression that with the Pinotage, the little that I do know of them is that they don't age well and that you should be yeah. drinking them within five years. Yeah, I was doing a little bit of reading around this and I know I, I mentioned it to you, Jackie, about, you know, the percentage of wines that need to be drank, you know, once they're ready, once they're, you know, shipped out mm. is really high. I think it's it's definitely 90 percent, which I did not realize that my understanding was that a lot of wines were meant to be had, you know, years down the line they're meant to get they're a bit of dust you know age up a little bit yeah the vast majority are not and pinotage definitely you're right is one of those wines that's meant to be had early on that's the best way to drink it it, it loses its appeal over time it loses its freshness you know so that's really interesting so i wonder like when especially yours Stephen, when it's that bit older mm. because this isn't like a really fine one like don't get me wrong this isn't a cheap you know whatever wine and um, in ireland it's about 18 euro yeah um, so not crazy expensive, you know, if I think once you're under the 20 euro mark, you're still not spending oceans money on a bottle of wine, but certainly not cheap, cheap. But yeah, like you'd be more thinking it's the fine wines. There's a certain percentage mm. of fine wines that are produced, I suppose, probably predominantly like French wines and things like that, that are produced and meant to 
get better over time, but it's a really small percentage <laughs> of, of the overall yeah. production. And I, I only learned that very recently. I thought that was really interesting. Well, the other thing I think that kind of adds a bit more complexity to that is, does wine actually travel well? You know, with the like, there's some wines that you would get like over here. There's some French wines that I've had that are, you know, I would presume it'd probably be really nice in France, but it's like almost like they've gone off. Like it's not yeah. like, you know, like they're an expensive bottle, so you know that they should taste good, but there's just something not right about them, and yeah. you wonder if it is whether it's the transport or whether yeah. they were at a certain temperature or whatever it was. Okay, but yeah. it's yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, I know. And it's I think especially if you don't know a huge pile about it or you haven't experienced it before, it can be very hard to know whether a wine has been tainted by like temperature change or whatever, like you said. Mm. I definitely think myself and Stephen, when we had one of the early red wines, um, Argentinian mm. wine, that that was probably heat, that it had been, you know, put in heat for too long and that damaged it. And it lost um, the taste wasn't quite right when we had it. And it lost it very, very quickly after that. Do you know, it just just went bad. Oh, yeah, well. But we didn't know we didn't have enough experience at that stage to call it. So, yeah, I think the more you try it and the more you have experiences like that, that you can actually call it out. Like I was reading about like if wines are corked or whatever, and there is a small percentage of batches of wines that will get corked. Yeah. And that means like the whole batch is probably corked. So if you're in a good establishment, like they're going to have a few bottles of each thing, they need to then check it against the other bottles of wine that are there because they might have a bad batch and they can't be serving that to their customers. So mm. you actually do need to call it out. But like, I would still be very apprehensive about saying, you know, this is this doesn't taste right. You know, we, we think it's corked. I still yeah. would be a bit confident about that, you know, so mm. um, <laughs> you could just be going, this wine is not to my liking, but yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> but I I'm like the last I heard about detecting when something is corked is there's a surprising bitterness is what yeah. I was told like if if you're expecting like a, a sweet and fruit and there's a bitterness then that's yeah. surely a sign of mm -hmm. of corkage and kind of yeah. I think yeah. as well like there's a bacterial build up so you should be able to kind of yeah. taste it yeah. a bit on yeah. on the back but it yeah. is yeah, like yeah. whenever they bring out a screw top, I'm like, this is clearly like, <laughs> this yeah. is clearly going to be fine. Although it can happen in the barrel, which is the other piece. Yeah. Like you can much, even happen when much it's, smaller yeah. percentage though, isn't it? It's yes. like if you've got yeah, corkage, yeah. it can be maybe like 10% of wines that are affected um, with corked bottles, you know, whereas mm. like you said, when you have those, it's very, very, very minuscule amount. Mm. So um, I think... But here's a question. Have you, have you, have either of you actually ever had a corked wine before? that you I'm know of i'm sure i have had yeah i'm sure i have had mm. over the years because i've had one or two that i'm when i think back on them now i'm like that wasn't the right taste that wasn't the right flavor you know but not often and i've probably drank a good bit of wine over yeah. the years so <laughs> how about you i would actually like to taste one just to, like i don't yeah. think i have not that i know of yeah. but i would like to taste one just so that you kind, so you of, kind of know yeah, what it's like versus just a wine yeah. that you don't like yeah 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 i know i get what you're saying that's interesting. Yeah. A few more points on this wine while we're tasting it away. Um, so it's a vegan friendly wine and the wine it's produced by the winery of Good Hope and Radford Dale, which is based in Stellenbosch. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Jackie. Their wine you cellar. Are. Oh, good. <laughs> Their wine <laughs> cellar is on the slopes of Helderberg Mountain, um, which sounds incredible. It might be 
no good at all, but it just sounds amazing. <laughs> and they pride themselves on using traditional natural winemaking methods and being environmentally conscious through their practices, which of course is very important. So the winery of Good Hope offers a range of wines that cover all the main types that are produced in South Africa. So they have Chardonnay, Chenin Blanc, and they also have Cab Sav as well. So their Pinotage is produced from grapes that are harvested from two different vineyards. So there's one in northern Stellenbosch and also one in four Pordebag, respectively. Something I really liked about this wine producer is that they have a page of notes on the wine for the last few years of vintages that they're currently offering. So you can get a nice kind of in-depth look at the particular bottle that you have through their website. Yeah, it's just a nice little touch. You get a full like PDF A4 page showing, you know, about the harvest that year and all the rest of it. I thought that was really, really nice. That's a little bit of info on the winery of Good Hope. In terms of wine production in I, South Africa, Jackie, I'd like maybe you mightn't actually have been that aware of it, but like, does it feel like a dominant industry in South Africa or? Oh, definitely in Cape Town and yeah. Stellenbosch area. Um yeah. Because there's just there's just vineyards everywhere. Like that's just yeah. a thing that you kind of do on the weekends is you'd actually go that all of them have really nice restaurants that you'd go yeah. and have lunch at and you know. Um yeah. so it definitely feels like in Cape Town. I wouldn't say in Joburg I kind of noticed it at all, but then I was very young when I was there and that's not really yeah, for something sure. I would have really been paying attention to. But yeah, like I think growing up in the years that I was in Cape Town, like vineyards mm. were a huge part of our kind of like weekends I guess yeah 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 and I'm, I don't know if you guys are noticing this but like as I'm kind of getting down to the end of this little glass it's it seems to be like way lighter in color is that just me but like the, at the start it was really kind of you know a nice ruby now it's kind of getting to be a much lighter red I don't know I think the the sulfites are kind of you think so yeah I because because again I think the sulfites as well affect the smell yeah like yeah, if you yeah, yeah. if you smell the glass now where it is nearly empty i think you get yeah. the sulfites a bit more but yeah. yeah i think the color is very much a, a lighter red than it's supposed to be uh, no to be fair i actually don't know if the sulfites affect the color but that that would just be a interesting a theory yeah. on mine what do you make it, the label of this guy as well actually because i know you like a an interesting oh this is this is a, i i think this is lovely label like i've cool, um, isn't it? yeah yeah it's like mountainsides and you can yeah. see kind of the the apparatus for crushing the grapes, which I've forgotten straight out my my brain. Um, but then it's like a lovely framing border of branches. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah, it's up on our Instagram. Anyone, if anyone wants to have a look, really, really cool. It I does feel like um one of those. It looks like a kind of label that you would have on a bottle that you do keep for years and years and years. Like it looks, yeah, like yeah. It looks very old. Labels. It looks very vintagey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm really pleased with this one. Like as I said, I'm still not quite sure on flavors. I'm not quite sure of what's the you know the the undercurrent of flavors in the mouth. Mm. But like it's very 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 nice red wine. Like I'd very happily return to that now again, which is a good sign because I know I said this certainly at the end of our last season, the white wines were like winning for me. This is a really good start. <laughs> red wines for this yeah. season. Yeah, what do you and think? Also just, I'd be interested in trying some more Pinotages because this is like, this is probably the mm -hmm. first one that I've actually really paid attention to trying. I can't remember the last yeah. time I had one, so I'd yeah. actually be interested in trying some more. Definitely, yeah. No, I'm with you on that. 
that was a great session. Thank you so much, Jackie and Stephen. It was really a treat to get to record with you and to try one of these lovely pinotages. So I hope you, our listener, also enjoyed it. Our next episode promises to be another great one as we will look at a region I've recently discovered and fall in love with, and that's Portugal. So we'll see you then. <laughs>